Hi, I'm Rob Booker, and you're listening to a private podcast about Seth Klarman's Margin of Safety. It's an out-of-print book that goes for over $2,000 on Amazon because Seth Klarman is one of the most successful value investors of all time, averaging over 20% a year. The book, Margin of Safety, was published in 1991. It had an initial print run of about 10,000 10, copies, and now it's very difficult to get your hands on one. I happen to have one. And so, in this private podcast series, I'm summarizing some of the ideas in the book and reading direct quotes from the book to bring you some of the ideas that have meant so much to me and many other investors who have copied the approach. My name is Rob Booker. My website is robbooker.com. I'm a short seller, a day trader, that moves the money and the profits from short selling into value investing accounts. And if you want to learn more about that, you can go to robbooker.com. And here we go. Number four, it's all about the mindset. Investment success requires an appropriate mindset. Investing is a serious business. It's not entertainment. If you participate in the financial markets at all, it's crucial to do so as an investor, not a speculator, and to be certain that you understand the difference. Needless to say, investors are able to distinguish PepsiCo from Picasso and understand the difference between an investment and a collectible. When your hard-earned savings and future financial security are at stake, the cost of not distinguishing is unacceptably high. Here's what Seth means by that. Some people believe that an investment is something they hang on to forever, a collectible, something that sits on the shelf and they never let go of. Well, to be a successful investor, you've got to eventually take your profits and let go. But also at the same time, you can't be getting out so quickly that you're a speculator. When it comes to buying and holding stocks for the long term and making money selling call options against those stocks or selling puts to get into the trade in the first place, you will find that the most difficult part of the process is the mindset. The mindset's what's tough. It's hard to sit inside of a position that's not doing well. It's hard to hang on to a stock that hasn't moved for six or seven months, even though you know in the long term a company like Occidental Petroleum or Walgreens Boots Alliance or Altria are going to pay great dividends and eventually rise. It's hard to sit while the market isn't doing anything. All right. Next, I just want to mention that it's all about the mindset in every area of life. And I loved this chapter of the book because success in life and investing comes from an appropriate mindset. Having the mindset that you want to do well and get out, do well again and get out. That's the mindset. We're not hanging onto these stocks, even as value investors, forever. And as a day trader, I'm not holding onto those stocks forever. I might short a stock that rises 100%. It's a company that loses money. It's a company that has no prospects for future development, no options available, no dividends being paid, a management structure that's weak, and maybe its headquarters are at a UPS store. That doesn't work. So I might short that stock. Well, I do short that stock in the morning and then I hold on to it until the next day and give it up. I don't try to hang on forever. All right, let's keep going. Number five. Don't seek Mr. Market's advice. Some investors, really speculators, mistakenly look to Mr. Market for investing guidance. They observe Mr. Market setting a lower price for a security and, unmindful of his irrationality, rush to sell their holdings, ignoring their own assessment of underlying value. Other times, they see him raising prices and, well, trusting his lead, buy in at the higher figure as if he knew more than they. 
The reality is that Mr. Market knows nothing, being the product of the collective action of thousands of buyers and sellers who themselves are not always motivated by investment fundamentals. Emotional investors and speculators inevitably lose money. Investors who take advantage of Mr. Market's periodic irrationality, by contrast, have a good chance of enjoying long-term success. So, we don't look to the chart to tell us if something is a good or a bad investment, or a good or a bad day trade. We look at something underneath price. There may be a stock that has fallen a long way that's not a bargain because the company is terrible. There may be a company that's rising really quickly in the morning because it issued a press release that said, we just installed new smart toilets in our headquarters. And if you think that doesn't happen, you've never seen small cap stocks. The market will temporarily overvalue or undervalue a security. Our job is to know what real value is by looking a little bit deeper than just the price. All right, let's keep going. Number six, stock price versus business reality. Louis Lowenstein has warned us not to confuse the real success of an investment with its mirror of success in the stock market. The fact that a stock price rises does not ensure that the underlying business is doing well or that the price increase is justified by a corresponding increase in underlying value. Likewise, a price fall in and of itself does not necessarily reflect adverse business developments or value deterioration. It is vitally important for investors to distinguish stock price fluctuations from underlying business reality. If the general tendency is for buying to beget more buying and selling to precipitate more selling, investors must fight the tendency to capitulate to market forces. You cannot ignore the market. Ignoring a source of investment opportunities would obviously be a mistake, but you must think for yourself and not allow the market to direct you. All right, here's a couple of notes about this section. What he's really getting at is this. You might decide, as I have, to only look at the market when something extraordinary is happening. For example, if a stock rises 100 or 200% in the morning and it's a small cap NASDAQ stock and it originally traded at under $10 a share and the company loses money, doesn't pay a dividend and has its headquarters at a UPS store in Burbank next to an In-N-Out burger, that company is probably not really worth twice as much as it was yesterday. So I can ignore what Mr. Market is saying about that stock and I can comfortably short that stock. The same is true, however, of stocks that are dropping. Let's say, for instance, that Apple computer drops 20% or 30% overnight, some kind of bad news or a, a shipping delay or maybe even a legal problem or a, I don't know, an antitrust issue. Apple might fall 20 or 30%, but it's not suddenly worth 20 or 30% less. And you have to kind of ignore what the market is saying at those extreme moments and step in and buy the stocks that are getting hammered that have underlying true value or short or sell the stocks that have risen too far and are absolutely ridiculous. A good example of a longer term short selling opportunity was Carvana. Carvana for quite some time was rising and rising and rising. It went from $11 a share and made a 500% gain. Meanwhile, all the while, Carvana wasn't really making any money selling cars, and if you read the annual report, you could read that Carvana was making money by selling the loans that it had on the books. And as they ran out of loans to sell, they ran out of profits. 
you could see that coming as it was rising and it was a really great short selling opportunity. Most people only saw the stock rising or they would see those weird vending machines on the side of the freeway. Today, as I'm publishing this episode, Carvana's having trouble delivering the titles of the cars that it sells. And with interest rates rising at this time, they're having trouble selling more cars, which means they won't have more loans to sell later on. It means that a stock that had risen 500% maybe really shouldn't have done that. When you become an investor or you start thinking like an investor, you start recognizing a disconnect between what the market is doing and what's really going on underneath the surface. All right, let's keep going. Number seven, price versus value. Value in relation to price, not price alone, must determine your investment decisions. If you look to Mr. Market as a creator of investment opportunities where price departs from underlying value, you have the makings of a value investor. If you insist on looking to Mr. Market for investment guidance, however, you're probably best advised to hire someone else to manage your money. Because security prices can change for any number of reasons, and because it's impossible to know what expectations are reflected in any given price level, investors must look beyond security prices to underlying business value, always comparing the two as part of the investment process. All right, a couple of notes here. This is actually easier to do than it seems. How do you really know what a business is worth? One way to do this is to read books like from Benjamin Graham or look at the writings of Charlie Munger or just watch every YouTube video where Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett talk about the value of a business. But there are some principles here. Companies that pay a dividend, companies with a price to earnings ratio underneath the market as a whole, and companies that have consistently made a profit and paid out those profits as dividends, these are already ways to start thinking about companies that are valuable even if they drop in price. That's one way, I think might be the best way, to identify companies that are valuable. But you can do the reverse. Companies that aren't worth anything are companies that lose money, don't pay dividends, haven't been around very long, and have risen 50% or 100% in one day. You find these stocks on the NASDAQ, and they're generally priced under $5 a share, sometimes under $10 a share. And these are wild rides. Some people are obsessed with buying those stocks because they've risen. There are entire thousand member group chat pump groups that just buy the stocks and just talk about them online to get other people to buy them. I think that's not just unethical, it borders on illegal. And so I look to those stocks and I look for those opportunities to short those stocks. For more information on how to do that, you can, again, go over to the website, check things out. All right. In our next episode, we'll cover 8, 9, 10, and 11 from Seth Klarman's Margin of Safety.